Welcome to this episode of Clarity and Collaboration for the Community of Climate Change Makers. Oh my goodness, what a mouthful. Now you know why I said it's the five C's. <laughs> this is the first in a series for the C known as community. And the topic, honestly, is a heavy one. Climate anxiety. Would you indulge me in a bit of background first? Last year, when the housing crisis seemed to reach a crescendo and the interest rates had rocketed upwards at supersonic speeds, I remember saying to my husband, oh man, I am so glad we're not starting out right now. Remember the days when we were freaking out about paying 20% interest rates and thought that was nuts? The difference between then and now is we both had very good jobs. Yes, we had two mortgages, but the price we paid for the house was significantly lower than it is today. Plus, we didn't worry about climate change because we didn't even know about climate change. And probably most of all, we knew we would always have a better financial life than our parents. I honestly don't think I would have that much hope if I were in my late 20s again. And then I did what almost everyone else does these days. I sighed and then attended to the rest of the stuff happening in my life. The next day, the doom and gloom thoughts were still on my mind. So I went Googling to see if anyone was worried about their future here on Earth and how they were coping. And that is when I found out about climate anxiety. And I'm horrified to report that climate anxiety is real. If you are under 45 years old, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you're, if you're over 45, how do I say this nicely? You know how our greatest fear about our retirement years is that we're going to run out of money before we run out of life? Well, today's younger people are scared out of their minds that the earth will die before they do. Forget about retirement they are concerned there won't be an earth to live on. Now, between you and I, I can't imagine the pressure and strain that that places on a psyche. It's one thing to look back fondly on the life that was. It's a completely different animal to look forward to a future that is nothing more than a dark hole. I am not trained as a psychologist, a psychotherapist, or even a health and wellness expert, so I cannot offer advice on navigating the next 30 or 40 years of your life, but my guests are. And because this is a heavy topic, I think we're going to need to take some breaks in between the guests. And here's one thing that I do know. There are absolutely no magic bullets, especially where our bodies and our gray matter are concerned. There is no one guest that I can bring on and know that you will be perfectly served the first time. And that is why I will have a few guests speaking on this same topic. All I ask of you is to keep an open mind. Give them a listen and then try something for me. Throw away anything you think is rubbish. And experiment with this stuff that sounds like it might work. Give it a test drive for a month and write and tell me, how it's going. We're going to begin today with Mike Vera. He's a fascinating young man in a massive hurry who is a board certified health and wellness coach. All of his links are in the show notes and you might also listen to his podcast because 
every week he lays down some seriously good nuggets. I'm going to do something different with Mike's interview. I'm sharing his closing remarks first to set the stage. Take a listen. I think I just fundamentally come from a different place. A lot of these people, many of them who I work with and I have a lot of respect for, their passion truly is health and all things health. So they love talking about eating salads and the best ways to exercise. And, you know, there's definitely a need for that sort of talk. And there's definitely some value in that. I just get bored myself talking about it because I feel like there are so many other people saying it already. So really where my passion comes from and what drives me fundamentally is waking people up. And that's why I say these things. And to be more clear about what I mean when I say waking people up, it actually very much ties to a lot of the things that I said already. A lot of us, many of us, live an unexamined life. You know, we're kind of just in this unconscious routine of we wake up, we make our coffee, we go to work, we hate our lives at work, we come home, we're exhausted from work, we just want to turn, tune our brains out. It A lot of that is just very unconscious. You know, half the day we're scrolling through our phones. For whatever reason, whether it's, you know, the system has beaten us down, we just don't have a lot of time, we just don't really care, whatever it is, we kind of live our lives on autopilot. We don't really think about the routines, the habits that are carrying out our lives, these automatic inclinations. We don't think about that. But I want to wake people up in many different ways, but most specifically wake people up to really turn on their consciousness, to go, look, this autopilot life that you're living has opened up a window of opportunity for people who understand the mechanisms of influence to push you around. To get here's an example. So you go into Target. I hear this time and time again. I want to go into Target. I'm going to buy two things. I swear, just two things. And you come out and you have 10 things. What happened? They influenced you. You let your guard down when you went into Target. And because of the packaging, because of the colors, because of the messages, the lighting, the smells, the vibes, all of those different factors that were very deliberately put into specific places to influence you, it worked, right? It's no accident that Target and these these stores are set up the way that they are and that you find yourself consistently buying more than you had intended to. It's because you have been influenced. And all I'm saying here is that you can influence yourself as well. You just have to wake up. You just have to be aware of how you are being played and instead you, once you understand these mechanisms, you use them on yourself to better your life instead of buying useless crap at Target. Can you see how Mike does not fit the usual mold of board-certified health coaches? I assure you, he definitely is not your run-of-the-mill kind of guy. So my first question to him was, given the state of the world, Today, and at the time of our interview, there was only one war going on, and that was still Ukraine. How can we navigate ourselves in a better direction? I think there's a lot we could probably all do better uh, on an individual level. And I say that not from a place of judgment. I say that from a place of compassion and respect. Um, you know, when it comes to self-improvement and and discomfort and disease, uh, I, I think you know, there's always a step forward is maybe one way to look at it. 
And I mean, we could spend all day talking about the problems, right? The problems in society, there's plenty of them. But what I tend to talk about the most is the information environment that many of us often fail to pay attention to. So as a health coach, as a board certified health coach, any of us would spend time talking about the physical environment. You know, yes. so somebody wants to exercise more. Okay, well, what does your home look like? Is it very comfortable and inviting you to just sit down and relax all the time? Does that make it difficult and create obstacles to working out? What about getting to the gym? Like, what what are the obstacles there? How about with healthy eating? Do you have snacks that are in your environment? Just calling your name, easily accessible. What's that like? So we think about all these different aspects in health and how they basically... Uh, the environment sends signals to you as to how to behave. And, you know, there are definitely forces and institutions and organizations out there that understand this very well. They understand that our environment influences our behavior. And so they set it up in a way so that we behave in a way that benefits them instead of us. And that's why I talk about this information environment. I call it propaganda because that's exactly what it is. And I do believe that a key to health is to start paying attention to the propaganda in our environment. Because once we figure out how our strings are being pulled and how our buttons are being pushed, it makes it a lot easier to stop ourselves from doing those things that have been influencing us. And even better, it allows us to have an understanding about how we can use those tools and those skills so that we can influence ourselves towards better health. Now, when you say propaganda, the first thing that comes to my mind is the sugar fiasco. Years ago, sugar was the best thing you could possibly, you had to have lots and lots of sugar. Then you also had to have a really strong, heavy, healthy breakfast. Mm. Is that the kind of propaganda stuff that you're talking about that we've been fed lies over the years? In a sense, yeah. And that's interesting because a lot of people, when they they hear me talk about propaganda, they immediately assume politics. Uh, one thing I've heard a lot is, you mean like Russian political propaganda? You know, not exactly, but also yes. So I use the word propaganda very broadly. Okay. When you think of the definition of propaganda, it is a coordinated information-based campaign that targets populations to influence their perceptions and behaviors. Now, when you look at that definition, that applies to, yeah, political propaganda. Yes, it applies to marketing as well. But you also start to see it in a lot of different areas in life. So you even see that sort of thing in sports. You know, they have chants that the entire group will, will chant at the same time. They have uniforms that creates this in-group bias that really keeps people in a community. You have logos, symbolism that goes along with these things. All of these different factors that you see in sports, religions, and other areas in life are really based on mechanisms within the brain that serve certain functions. So, you know, I'm not trashing sports. I'm not trashing religions. I'm just saying these are observable facts uh, that we have mechanisms that allow us to sort of be in this group mentality that puts us in this de-individuated state. And it's almost like magic propaganda because, you know, you're you're saying words to cause an effect and, you know, kind of like casting a spell, I guess. But but the the thing like and I'm not saying that it's an actual magic trick, right? I'm just saying there's a similarity there uh, because one other similarity with propaganda is just like a magic trick. Once you see how the trick is done, 
you know, like a card trick or something. You can never well, unsee it. Exactly. It doesn't have the same impact. You're not going to be surprised or impressed by that trick. And propaganda is the same way. Once you really figure out how these techniques of overt propaganda work, as well as the mechanisms in your brain that allow them to work, you just can't be as influenced in the way that they try to sneak past you. Um, but it also allows you to to apply them to yourself. So I hope I answered your question there, kind of defining a little more about what propaganda is. You you have. What is the propaganda that you're referring to in the health and wellness space that has got in, we've either fallen asleep to, gotten numb to, not paid attention to, that we need to jerk ourselves out of and go forward? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of it. I, I mean, Again, when you look at at these coordinated information-based efforts, this is happening from the, the so-called bad guys just as much as it's happening from the so-called good guys. And I say so-called because, you know, that's a lot of gray area. What is good guys and bad guys? But But my point being that propaganda is this, it's a tool, right? It's just a tool. Propaganda isn't inherently good or bad. And so when it comes to the health and wellness space, you start to look around, you find out that, you know, some of the actual information itself might be um, coming from manipulative places. So let's start with the World Health Organization, right? A lot of people respect them. That's fine. But by definition, what they do as a health institution, they function essentially as a propaganda institution. They, just like I said, they coordinate information. Uh, to be broadcasted in multiple channels purely to shape the opinions of people. I mean, they do public health. They're very open about this. Some of what they do is very good, right? They they do uh, essentially marketing campaigns to create awareness about breast cancer and some of the things that you can do to prevent breast cancer so that we mostly accept that, that those sorts of things are good. But at the same time, you look closely, their propaganda efforts with some of their potential financial conflicts and some of the shady things that they might be doing with big possibly pharmaceutical businesses, you know, that calls into question the, the information that they would be propagating in that sense. So there's no easy answer where I can say, oh, you just have to look at this one thing and you'll know that it's propaganda because it, it's never labeled, right? Propaganda is never like, oh, never by the labeled. way, this, this is this is propaganda. That's just not how it works. So the answer always comes down to having a sense of scrutiny and skepticism, being able to have a discerning eye and look at these things and question them. I would go as far as saying the default response to information in your environment should be skepticism, especially if you find yourself trusting it unquestionably. And I could go on and on about why that could be a problem, but uh, skepticism is something I strongly recommend. And I mean a healthy sense of skepticism. I'm not saying you become a, a paranoid tinfoil hat wearing, you just really go all the way down the rabbit hole kooky person. I'm not saying that. I'm also not saying that you should challenge authority just to be a contrarian jerk. I'm not saying that either. But skepticism does have a healthy purpose. It prevents us from accepting false information and it prevents us from making bad decisions. So when it comes to propaganda, the best thing we can do is be skeptical. Phew. That was definitely not what I expected. My biggest lesson was we need to develop a healthy skepticism to prevent us from accepting false information and avoid making bad decisions. It's not generally the facts that are up for dispute. It's the interpretation of those facts that get us into trouble. And if I were to sum up everything today, 
something's got to change. And I submit that that something is we humans. Because we're living with the unintended consequences of too many decades, centuries of decisions based on greed or wealth accumulation. We absolutely can't do a do-over, but we can do a do-better. And it really doesn't matter what we call it that we do, as long as whatever we do do is in the highest good for all.